There is no better place. It's time to talk. The only way to get anything done in Cork is to go on to the Neil Prenderville. There you go. Fair play. Talk to Neil Prenderville. That's a Cork threat at this stage, I think. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. I just love Cork people. Conversation that matters. Once again, there's a horse running loose up and down the hill by Blackstone Bridge. Motorists, please take care. Now then, to our morning papers, a new chapter ahead is the main headline in uh, today's Echo. Multi-million euro deal for centre. Amy Power reporting that Douglas Court Shopping Centre has been acquired under a multi-million euro deal with the new owners pledging to invest in and revitalise the uh, 10-acre retail outlet, a commitment that the Lord Mayor has said proves Cork is an attractive place to invest. Uh, The acquisition was made by the O'Leary family of O'Leary Insurances and is valued at approximately 25 million euro. Existing tenants will, of course, remain uh, unaffected by the purchase. Lord Mayor of Cork Councillor Kieran McCarthy, whom we spoke to on the programme yesterday, was among those who welcomed the new chapter ahead for the shopping centre. It's great that it was brought by uh, bought by a Cork family, so they're on the ground and they have a track record of doing great things for the city. Douglas Court has been around for a number of decades now, needs a major revamp, major refresh. You'll always see it busy at the weekend, but it's not as busy during the weekdays. So it's important that someone comes in with fresh ideas, the Lord Mayor told the Echo. New chapter ahead for Douglas Court Shopping Centre. 500 million needed, however, to replace Cork's water pipes. Owen English reporting in the examiner, there's still no end in sight to the discoloration problems affecting Cork's domestic water supply, which has seen complaints from the public increase tenfold at times. Ishka Aaron has accepted that the discoloration is generally caused by excess manganese from the inside of the city's old cast iron water mains. But it also told city councillors that an investment of at least a half a billion would be required to fully replace those pipes, some of which are over 100 years old. Around 54% of the city's water pipes are cast iron, with an average age of between 65 and 100 years. And the details emerged during a two-hour meeting between Ishka Aaron and Cork City Council's Environment, Water and Amenity Strategic Policy Committee during which councillors grilled the utility on the causes of discoloration. Check it out with Owen English in The Examiner. Let's go to the Mail's front page. Minister's withering attack on protesters. Humphreys questions how people can go to refugee demos in the middle of the day when everyone else is working. Minister Heather Humphreys has rebuked those protesting outside asylum centres, questioning how they can demonstrate in the middle of the day when everyone else is working. The Fine Gael TD also insisted that immigration has been good for Ireland and is helping to pay for pensions, with PRSI contributions from foreign nationals amounting to three billion per annum. The Social Protection Minister's robust defence of immigration policy follows mounting pressure on the government after weeks of protests and a series of arson attacks on properties earmarked as accommodation for those seeking asylum. There's rumours of an asylum centre. Um, There was rumours abounding over the last 48 hours of an asylum centre for the Mayfield area. The uh, Echo has, as one of its uh, inner page headlines, rumours of asylum centre completely false. Cork City Council says rumours that refugees will be hosted in a retreat centre in Mayfield 
are completely false. A number of local councillors addressed the issue in recent days as speculation surrounded migrants being accommodated in the former Dominican retreat centre at Ennismore. Uh, and these rumours circulated on social media. Finnegal councillor Joe Cavanagh said, I wish to clarify with 100% certainty that there are currently no plans in place to accommodate anyone at all in the old Dominicans building in Ennismore. Rumours currently circulating are 100% false. If I get any further updates uh, on this building, I will certainly post on my social media platforms. He said more on that later in the programme. The Irish Independent uh, has as its main headline, towns with most migrants to get extra nurses and teachers. Extra nurses in GP practices, more reserve guardie and additional English language teachers for schools are some of the options on the table as part of a new package for areas that have accommodated the most migrants. GPs may receive more staff, such as nursing assistants, under proposals being discussed, and Tisha Clear Varadkar uh, asked departments to come up with possible measures uh, that can be put in place across 10 regions nationwide. To the Independent and HSE apologises after a baby who swallowed a battery did not get an X-ray for nine days. This is a shocking and amazing story. Tim Healy uh, is reporting the HSE and a GP have apologised uh, in the High Court to a mother of a six-year-old boy for the treatment her son received after swallowing a battery. Aaron Sikorsky was only 13 months old when he swallowed the battery while playing at home. But the court was told it was nine days before a chest x-ray was carried out. This was despite visits to his GP and the emergency department of Galway University Hospital. His counsel, uh, Damien Higgins SC, told the court the swallowed item was a common circular battery used in watches and calculators. These batteries can cause a chemical reaction which uh, would burn through the esophagus if it was uh, lodged in the throat. Counsel said the boy ended up having an emergency operation to extract the battery and further reconstructive surgery on his esophagus. He remained in hospital for three weeks, having spent time in intensive care. It was argued that the GP should have suspected the boy swallowed a battery and the hospital should have carried out an X-ray earlier. Yesterday, Aaron settled a high court action relating to care he received from a GP. At the hospital emergency department, the settlement figure is €220,000. Outside court, his solicitor, Johan Verbruggen, read a statement uh, on behalf of the family. A simple X-ray would have confirmed that the ingestion of a battery uh, happened, but the opportunities to arrange one were missed. Check it out in the Irish Independent. To the Irish Daily Mail, we can't allow restaurants go to the wall. Very emotive topic on the Neil Prendeville show over the last few days. But representatives of the restaurant sector yesterday met with Enterprise Minister Simon Coveney to address concerns over the large number of establishments in the sector going out of business. The government is working on a number of policies to alleviate pressure on the sector, including extending the deadline for repayment of COVID-19 schemes. Mr Coveney met with the representatives from the Restaurants Association of Ireland, where so-called debt warehousing was raised. This allowed businesses who experienced cash flow and trading difficulties during the pandemic to defer tax liabilities until they were in a position to pay them. Many of them now, of course, aren't. Many of these debts due to be repaid in May, but meeting that deadline would force many businesses under, industry sources said. And then, of course, there are no winners. It's screaming out of the government to extend it rather than let viable businesses go to the wall that are capable of repaying what they owe over a longer period. 
Uh, late bars will lead to rise in fatalities, says the star. You might have heard it in our news bulletin as well. Pubs and clubs staying open later could lead to more drink driving. Alcohol Action Ireland has warned. It said new research from Norway shows increased trading hours were associated with an increase in deaths, particularly on rural roads. Researchers also noted a spike in incidents in places where public transport options were limited. And uh, to the independent now, prices at the petrol pumps have fallen for the fourth month in succession. Charlie Weston reporting there that petrol and diesel prices have fallen for the fourth month uh, in a row. The first time this has happened in years. Pump prices are now 17 cent a litre, cheaper than they were in September. Petrol fell from 172 a litre in December to 168. Diesel also dropped by 4 cent a litre from 172 to 168, according to the latest AA Ireland Fuel Survey. Petrol and diesel were both 185 a litre last September, according to a previous survey. The last time uh, both prices fell four months in a row was in 2017. However, there are warnings that the conflict in the Middle East, particularly attacks on ships in the Red Sea, could send pump prices up again. If the oil's got to come around the Horn of Africa, it's going to cost a lot more money uh, per unit to put into your car. Beef exports to resume after visit by Chinese Premier. Irish beef exports to China can resume immediately after the Chinese government confirmed it would reopen its market during the, the visit of uh, Premier Li Jiang. The announcement was made by Taoiseach Leo Varadkar after his meeting with Mr. Li, who is widely seen as the second most powerful figure in China after President Xi Jinping. Uh, bilateral relations, including trade and economic ties, EU-China relations and issues such as climate change and wars in the Middle East and the Ukraine were on the agenda for the talks between Mr. Varadkar and Mr. Li during his one-day visit to Ireland, and I'm sure the irony of our uh, um, Green Minister uh, meeting the largest um, passenger plane in the world, which flew halfway around the world uh, to discuss climate change, uh, wasn't lost on many people. Avocados are hit with shoppers at Tesco. Uh, they're a surprise hit in the grocery baskets in 2023. A look at shoppers' habits revealed. Tesco took a look at the top-selling products over the course of the year. And while milk obviously was the most bought item, healthy avocados were the breakout stars. The supermarket took stock of the nation's most bought groceries to launch their new club card unpacked reward scheme. And one final one from the Sun today. Flight of Fancy. There is a Concorde engine for sale on eBay. You think you can afford it? €795,000. A plane fan is flogging a Concorde engine on eBay for a sky-high price of €795,000. The Rolls-Royce Olympus turbojet engine uh, comes with supersonic afterburner, uh, which powered the jet to a speed of 2,180 kilometres per hour. Uh, At six metres long and three tonnes, it also has a mobile stand. Uh, A sale note adds, not able to fly, but perfect to dismantle, and repurpose into collectible pieces of furniture and art. Concorde passengers would fly to London from London to New York, of course, in under three hours before British Airways retired the jet uh, just over 20 years ago in 2003. It was axed, of course, following the July 2000 crash of Air France Flight 4590 uh, soon after takeoff from Paris, killing all 109 occupants and four on the ground. But one of the jet engines is for sale on eBay for the princely sum of 795 grand. 
text or WhatsApp Neil now. 0868-104-106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. 26 minutes past nine. Kevin Sharkey is an Irish artist, political activist and former television presenter and actor and sought a nomination to run in the 2018 Irish uh, presidential election uh, but uh, ultimately withdrew his bid. He is, however, now intending to run for the EU uh, in those EU June elections. Good morning to you, Kevin. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. What platform are you running on? Very simple one, really. Um, One that I'm very surprised we don't have a single TD in the Dáil is even talking about this. Um, the first thing I'd say is that, you know, Ireland needs immigration. We desperately need nurses and doctors and people who contribute to what we have here in Ireland, which is a beautiful country. And we have many, many people coming here who want to raise their children in safety. The problem that I have at the moment is that the Irish seem to have been forgotten. And my platform will be about prioritising the Irish for health services, for dentistry, um, and for housing. Because without that single thing being in place, we run the risk of the new people coming to Ireland being resented by the Irish. And I see that the, the politicians are playing a very dangerous game here because if you, have an, an, if you have any opinion on immigration, they brand you as far right. And many, many of the people who have a problem with the current situation, which seems to be emanating from Europe, you know, Leo Varadkar said not so long ago that he has no control over the amount of people coming to this country. Well, that means we don't have a government. So if Europe is the place that is issuing, issuing the, the, the numbers of immigrants that we have to accept, then that's why I want to go to Europe, because it seems that our own politicians have forgotten that they were elected to look after the Irish people. And I'm not talking to, about the exclusion of anybody else, that we've been the most generous nation. We're famous for it all around the world. But we're also now becoming a laughing stock around the world. Okay, you've raised you've raised Kevin about ten salient issues in that sixty okay. seconds, so that's a pretty good soundbite. But let, let's let's get, try and get through them one by one. Why why okay. do you feel you'd be better served or serve the Irish people better from Europe than you would perhaps by running for Dáil Éireann? Because currently, what I see in Dáil Éireann is paralysis. Not one single TD in this country has said the following statement: "We need to prioritise the Irish." That's a simple statement. Why is that statement outrageous? I would give anybody uh, all day to explain to me why not prioritise the Irish. Um, I, I think that would be the, the, the kind of mantra of Mary Lou and, and Sinn Féin. I know you've crossed swords recently. Um, do you consider them effective opposition? Are they saying enough? <laughs> what we have is a permanent government. There is no opposition. All parties are singing from the same sheet. This is the problem. If, if there was a decent opposition, they would be talking about these subjects. Like they had a, they had a debate recently on immigration. Nobody turned up. Like how, how, is that, how is that serving the people? I don't see that Sinn Féin are any different than any of the other parties. We have a permanent government and they're playing musical chairs. Okay, let, let, let's get down to some of the other issues. And one that I would feel is the muddying of the waters or the creation, uh, intended or not, of confusion about legal immigration, immigration, asylum-seeking, refugees, unvetted arrivals, that, that, that a lot of them are being mixed in and, and, and that the suspicion that maybe are around unvetted arrivals uh, may be translated down to the genuine asylum-seekers. 100%. And I'll tell you what the government are playing very dangerous game here. Because what they're doing by muddying the waters is they're... My father was an immigrant. My mother was Irish. I'm from Donegal. 
what I understood growing up in Ireland that the Irish are very gentle, kind, welcoming people. And may I go on the record to say, as a black man, they are not racist. They have never been racist. Ireland has never been a racist country, and it's still not a racist country. But what I would say, the politicians are playing a very dangerous game here because what they're doing is they're muddy in the waters. So what they're doing effectively is lumping everybody in together, and they're making it more dangerous for the legal migrants. They're making it more dangerous for people who've come here to respect our laws, to raise their children, and the muddying of this water is very, very dangerous, and they're putting people at risk by doing this, and it's a very, very, very dangerous game to play. Okay, look, we, we all know that generations of Irish people broke their backs here and abroad uh, to raise their families in uh, what is still, I don't know for how much longer, what is still an attractive place to, to raise a family. There was a time, of course, when the, the authoritarianism uh, came from uh, came from the church. And as that evaporated, do, do you feel the vacuum was filled now and, and the moral imperative was taken by the elected politicians to say to people, no, 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 we know what's best. 100% and I think also to add to that what we had growing up was we had the church dictating to us and they were able to do so because they understood that at their core Irish people were gentle they were caring they were loving and they were prone to be made feel responsibility for things they had no control over the government have taken that role over now and they are dictating with orders, but it seems to me all of these major orders are coming from Brussels. So what they've done now is they've put us into a situation where we, the people, have nothing. We, 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 we can't discuss this openly because they won't discuss it openly. And when you see the genuine dis- the concern, I grew up in a time when people used to leave the key in the back door or the front door in case a neighbor was in trouble. That's never going to happen again. I grew up in a time when people sent their kids to school and they knew the minute they left their kid at that school gate, that kid was safe until they went to collect it. That's gone. And these are things that are happening as a result of this disastrous policy. And, you know, people talk about borders and I think, well, where are they? Because if we, the Irish, cannot decide who comes to our own country, it's not our country. And who found out nobody voted these politicians in to make these massive decisions which are changing the face of Ireland irreparably forever. I come from, in Donegal, we've taken in more people in Donegal than any other county in Ireland. And of course they were welcomed, and of course they were made to feel at home, but the current government policy is putting the entire thing at risk by what they're doing. Okay, now we have an obvious change happening in, in the fabric of Irish society, but you've, you know, you've radical things like um, 24-hour protests, no matter the weather, uh, ultimately, uh, in some cases, uh, ending in what can only be seen as arson. Uh, they can't they can coincidentally be seen as accidental fires, but people are beginning to take the law into their own hands. Who do you, who do you blame for that? Look, I think it's very regrettable that people feel they're forced, that they have no alternative but to take the law into their own hands. And I would never condone violence because, you know, attacking migrants just plays right into the hands of the people who want to stamp down on us and have more control over us. What I think at the, at the moment we have, and I see it happening all over, is genuine communities who've been, they've lived in these communities for generations, their grandfathers, their grandfathers, grandfathers, and these communities are being changed. And we're being told, and here's the thing, we're being told, I remember I grew up, and we, we, we give so much to Africa growing up. We used to collect money for the black babies. We used to send money every week. Every, we'd have these, these um, competitions. We'd collect money. for the, it was all, And Ireland 
was known to be caring. And Ireland was known to be the, the one place that you would always get a welcome and you would always be made to feel at home. What we have now, unfortunately, are policies which are leaving people desperate, desperate. And the worst thing is, we are being played because what they say is, oh, you have to care. You have to care. Of course we care. But you know what? If we don't care about the Irish, what's the point in caring about anything else? Okay, but we do We do have, the, there are factions and radical factions in every element of religion or society or business or whatever. Yeah. Um, do you think that we're being played by a, a small minority uh, of right-wing standing people who are using uh, genuine Im- genuine immigration opportunities to, to, to make it look sensational, uh, to build up protests. Here's the thing. I think um, I've never experienced the right-wing in Ireland until the government started pulling us to the extreme left. And what I started to see, like, we have our own fair share of gobshites in this country. There are always going to be people who are going to come up and use opportunities to capitalise on them. But the policies that the government are following right now are creating so much resentment and so much anger, and everybody is labelled as right-wing. And this is unfair because some of these women, they're concerned about their children. What I don't understand is how people are not concerned about their safety when we see proof again and again and again that there is an increased danger in certain parts of Ireland. And I'm not blaming anybody for it, but I am saying that the government's policies are not helping it. So when 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 it comes to the right wing, I'd say this. Look, nobody should attack anybody. We live in a very peaceful, loving country. But I, you cannot, you cannot, you know, we have our own, we have our own problems to look after without importing the problems of the third world. There's also a muddying of waters, I, I feel, in uh, in other areas whereby, for instance, uh, the two buzzwords at the moment that everybody, you know, sits up straight and, and you know, their, their hackles are up is unvetted mi- migrants. Uh, and yeah. But hasn't that kind of subconsciously been directed towards possible sexual deviance rather than um, males who are here with no passport, with no uh, identity yeah. documents, who who may do something as uh, not as serious like commit a crime or a, a, okay. mis, a misdemeanor? Um, yeah. well, how, how do the guards deal with that? If me and you go to the airport now and try and get on a plane without our passports, we're not going anywhere. We're not even getting into the departure lounge. So if people are arriving in Ireland without papers and without passports, then you have to ask yourself, if they have no identity, how can they be identified? If, you know, it's not to say that they're all criminals, far from it. But and, and, and it's know, certainly not, not to say that they're all possible sexual deviants. No, 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 no. But I do think that one of these issues with this sexual deviance is this. There are countries in the world which have a very different view as to the right age to marry, the right age to have sex, the right age. You know, this, these are cultures which we don't share. And we have people coming here from different cultures with very different ideas about, about how to treat a woman. And I'm not naming names, but I'm saying we have to identify the fact that other cultures do not have the same principles that we do here in Ireland. And that's where you, that's where you tip over into this very grey area of fear. Because you should be able to walk down the streets at night and feel safe. And if you don't, and there's a reason for that, then you have to look at who's causing that problem. And right now, because the government are, are, are mixing all of the immigrants in together, they're really making it very, very dangerous for, for law-abiding people who want nothing other than a safe life here in Ireland. But what can the government do? Their hands are tied by Europe. 
But they're taking so the dictat I'll from you, Europe, I imagine. I'll tell you exactly what the government can do. The government can go to Europe and say, we want to opt out of your immigration policy. We want, if you, if that's the, if people want to stay in Europe, that's fine. But you cannot continue to allow unelected officials in Brussels to tell you how many people you're going to take into your country. And that's why the government can do something about this. They need to go, they need to grow a pair and go out there and say, no, we want to opt out of this. We're happy to take refugees. We're happy to take asylum seekers, but we will control the numbers. You do not tell us what to do. It's like having a house party and somebody else decides who's coming to your party. You'd never let that happen. Yeah, I, I suppose another analogy, would you, would you let someone you didn't know into your house unless they had Absolutely not. proper credentials or I'm from the water service or whatever, or I'm a guard, exactly. here's my badge. Yeah, you go, and somebody, somebody comes, you, you know, you buy, imagine this, you buy a house, you get the, the estate agent gives you the keys and says, there you go, Mr. Sharky, there's your house, enjoy it. Oh, by the way, Friday to Sunday, you have to leave the back door open, and Tuesday to Thursday, you've got to leave the windows open. You'd say, hang on, hang on, what kind of house is this? Well, Kevin, you, 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 you know, you have to admit that it's not just the government's fault, and, and, and maybe there's huge contributory factors here, but we're seeing potential accommodation centres being burned down now just because there's talks that migrants might be coming, and they could be from any genre. They, they, you know, they could be unvetted, fair enough. They could be uh, asylum seekers. They could be genuine war refugees. But unfortunately, they're very seldom Irish people. And I think this is the one problem. You know, with, with, with the, the governments, these consecutive governments have said over the years, we're going to fix the housing problem. They never did. And then one day, when a war kicked off in Ukraine, suddenly we discovered in one day that the government could fix not only the housing problem by housing 100,000 refuge, uh, people from Ukraine were very welcome, but they didn't even, as a PR, say, listen, maybe we should stick these 13,000 Irish people in as well. They just let them be. And that's why I have a problem. You say it's not the government's fault. Well, whose fault is it? But, well, l- let me ask you this then, Kevin Sharkey. As um, a member of the European Parliament, w- what mm-hmm. do you think you could do? What will you do for the 3,000 well, Irish children who are homeless and the 11,000 yeah. Irish adults? Well, exactly. And my sole intention is to raise these issues to be talked about. Because at the moment, everyone's running around with their up in the doll, they're running around with their head in the sand. And they will not discuss these things. They keep brushing them to the side. You know, we have an option here. We have a, supposedly we have a government. A government should make decisions on behalf of the people. And right now, that's not what's happening. And I think the genuine disappointment and anger that people are feeling is boiling over. Of course, nobody should burn down any building. It's, it's, it's an unbelievably dangerous. Somebody could get killed. But somehow, the government cannot just you know, rough, ride roughshod over the responsibility that they are supposed to have for the people that they're supposed to represent. Okay, pardon my electoral ignorance, uh, but are the, are the European elections, is that a nationwide vote or a, a constituency vote? It's a constituency vote and it's in June from the 6th to the 9th. It's a three-day event and I have yet to decide what part of the country I'm going to stand in. It may well be Donegal. I was just going to ask, is that why you're coming on in Cork? You're going to move down here? <laughs> Listen, there's Irish people everywhere and there's Irish people with common sense everywhere. And that's what I'm finding. I, you know, there's, there's thousands and thousands of people out there who feel that they just don't have a voice anymore. And if they speak up, they're shut down, they're called racist, they're called homophobic, they're called xenophobic. You know, this whole LGBT propaganda thing, that has to stop. That's no place in schools. And yet, if you say that, oh, you're transphobic, well, you know what? Name calling 
never really worked with me. So I don't care. What I do care about is that Irish people need to be represented properly in their own country. And that is not to the exclusion of everybody else. But if my mother, when I was a kid, made a pot of stew and came into the house and we're all sitting at the table with a plate, if she walked next door and fed the, the neighbor's kids first, they put her in the loony bin on Monday morning. They said, that's what the woman's lost her mind. And that's effectively what we're doing here. Okay, well, what do you mean by LGBT propaganda? Yeah, well, look, look. We're talking about a very small, like, if you look at, at, at the libraries, you look at this, well, and also, by the way, all of our politicians stand by while this is being rolled out. We're talking about a very tiny percentage of the community, a very small percentage, whether it be trans, whether it be gay. And yet, this has been prioritized to be made, and I think the reason is, is to get people annoyed with each other because most people don't want their kid to go to school to learn about sex. They want their kid to go to school and learn about uh, math and history and geography. Yeah, but would would you not contend that that people with certain anti-immigration feelings uh, latched on to one particular book in in, in this instance uh, and used it to to propagate their larger agenda, you know, by by gathering crowds and making it all about a book. But you know, it, it's it's actually about a larger agenda of uh, anti-immigration. I think that, I think you're right. I mean, I think the agenda is that children are children, and we all discovered what you know what 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 did what and what worked for what when we were growing up and i think that once you have a situation like we have now we basically have a government who's telling us what to say what not to say what to think what not to think and once you get to that stage whether it's a hate speech law you understand that slowly your right to think freely is gone that somebody and you know and 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 who give anybody the right to take away the constitutional right to speak freely. And I'm lucky I don't work for a company, I don't have a boss, but I know this, I know many, many, many people who feel exactly the same as I do, but they're being silenced, and that can never, that can never end well. Yeah, but isn't, isn't it the protesters who are telling uh, people what to do with their lives by trying to ban a book that has been ratified by our education system? Well, I think that all protesters have the right to protest peacefully if they're unhappy about something. But the policies, are you can pick the policies apart one by one and say this is right, this is wrong. But these policies are being sanctioned at the highest level. So again, it comes back to the people in charge. And right now, it doesn't feel like the Irish government is in charge of Ireland. It feels like they're just bowing and scraping to unelected officials in Brussels. Yeah, and that, I, for me... I, I do fully agree with you on one thing. And, and amidst all the sensationalism, uh, one thing you said really resonates. Uh, because there's, you know, when you have a discussion, there's, there's grenades lobbed in from the left, in from the right, sometimes in from the middle. Uh, and here's, here's what resonated with me. We need honest, open dialogue on immigration. Yes. And we, and, and we need it to be sober, balanced, respectful. Um, yeah. Maybe not gentle, because it's going to be robust, um, but with respect we're for all up. sides. Yeah, we're, we're growing up now. We can't say, you know, there are things we can't discuss. We have to be mature and say, I mean, you know, we had an issue not so long ago with abortion in Ireland, and we've had the morning after pill available for years. You know, if you want to end abortion, make the morning after pill readily available. But people don't want to have that conversation because, oh, well, it's not about birth rate, it's about controlling people's sexual lives. So we're adults now, and we need to have adult conversations and not be afraid to be shut down and called just because of how what we think. And I, I, I absolutely feel so strongly about that, that the only way you can solve anything is by talking, especially with people you don't agree with.
Exactly. And, you know, the way the country's going, we're going to need a lot of uh, honest and sober discussions uh, and a lot of difficult ones and a lot of difficult nettles to grasp as well. Uh, but we thank you for coming on. Uh, let us know when you decide where you're going to be domiciled for the, for the elections. Uh, that could be Cork, could be anywhere. Yeah, it could be indeed. <laughs> All right, Kevin. Part of the world. Listen, thanks very much for having me on. Thanks All a million. Back. That's Kevin Sharkey, uh, the Irish artist, political activist and former television presenter and actor now running for the EU in the elections in June. The Neil Prendeville Show on Red FM. Conversation that matters. And a very good morning from the Neil Prendeville Show at 11 minutes to 10. Nick Henderson is the CEO of the Irish Council of Refugees and joins us on line two. Good morning, Nick. Hi there. Good morning. Good to be on. Now it's a charity, of course. Uh, let's get that. Uh, yep. Let's get that front and center. But last year, uh, you fielded calls from twenty-two thousand people seeking help. You gave substantial support to fifty percent of that number, eleven thousand people. Um, yeah. I, I mentioned in, in our last interview uh, a certain muddying of the waters between uh, legal immigration, the doctors and nurses we need, a little bit of illegal immigration. Then there are refugees of war. Then there are asylum seekers, and then there are un- yeah. unvetted migrants. Who do you? represent as um, a charity with the title Irish Council of Refugees. Yeah, with the Irish Refugee Council, yeah. So we would be representing and supporting people who come to Ireland to seek what is called international protection. And they, you can also use the word asylum seekers. It's the same thing, really. Uh, we don't use the phrase asylum seekers, international protection applicants or people seeking international protection. Um, a refugee is somebody who, having gone through the process, and there's a very rigorous uh, process for deciding whether somebody does deserve protection in Ireland and can stay here. If somebody is successful in that process, then they would receive refugee status or uh, a different, slightly different status called subsidiary protection. If they're from Ukraine, and we also support people from Ukraine, we have a very busy Ukraine helpline, they would receive what's called temporary protection, uh, which was given to everybody who's had to leave Ukraine because of the war there. In terms of the last point, um, single male people, we, are, we do represent people, uh, men. Uh, we're actually very proud to do so. Uh, this phrase vetted or unvetted has been in circulation for a while now and it's probably important for your listeners to know that a person coming to Ireland, uh, including a man, will have within 24 hours of their arrival in Ireland a huge amount of information taken from them. They'll be subject to uh, a short interview, they'll have to complete a questionnaire, they'll take their, have their fingerprints taken. Fingerprints, so, yeah. Yeah, so there's a lot of information that's taken from someone, but it, we would be out representing, in, in summary, people who come here fleeing persecution, war, uh, asylum seekers is the term you can use, protection applicants, and they, they may be allowed to stay okay. after having gone through the process. Yeah. So whatever people's individual sensibilities are regarding whether immigration is welcome or not welcome... Uh, in Ireland. Uh, it's important to know that people who come to Ireland seeking protection have not just rights under Irish law, but rights under EU yeah. law to have their application at least considered. Now, the caveat to that is if that person has been in another European country under the Dublin regulation, uh, people can be returned back to a country that they've passed through. One of the big bugbears here, and we keep getting calls and texts on it, Nick, uh, is that some Ukrainians uh, apparently went back home for Christmas. Surely, yeah. you know, anyone can understand why people would be frustrated when they see people arriving here under international protection, being supported by the state, and then going home for Christmas holidays. 
Yeah, there's a important distinction there would be that an, an asylum seeker or an international protection applicant cannot not leave the state. Um, they cannot even go shopping in, in uh, Newry. It would be a criminal offence to leave the state. Uh, refugees from Ukraine are, are a very really important distinction, are a different category. Uh, and they are allowed to move around within Europe and they are allowed, and some do, go back to Ukraine. Um, some go back to visit husbands or boyfriends who are fighting. Some go back to check on relatives. Some go back because there's been a fu- to, to a funeral. The, the big, and it is, I can understand why callers are, are, are don't, are worried or concerned or, or don't quite get this, but one of the big things that the European Union did, and they've never done it before, uh, it was allow, implement the t- Temporary Protection Directive and, and allow people from Ukraine who are in Ukraine uh, prior to or on the day of the, the war breaking out, they could travel to the European Union and get to what is called temporary protection. Okay. It was extended in, in September. So it's really important. If I'm an asylum seeker here, I cannot set foot in, in across the border. Uh, and if I do, in theory, I, I could be arrested. Um, even a refugee, somebody who gets refugee status, cannot use their passport. They, they, would, they would also have to actually apply for a visa to go shopping in Newry. Uh, they would certainly have to apply, as, I, as, as far as I can recall, would have to certainly apply for a visa to go into the European Union. So it's another, a really important... Another common bugbear, Nick, is, is that some Ukrainians are working uh, while simultaneously receiving dole payments. Can you confirm or deny that? Yeah, no, well, I'm happy to to, to speak to this. The the definition of temporary protection is that somebody can receive uh, the full social welfare allowance, that they would receive the same as an Irish citizen. Uh, Now, if they do work, my understanding is that social welfare allowance would be reduced, would, would no longer be required. Uh, and that they would then be, they would have their income through through work, as as you or I would have. In that, I can't claim dole because I'm working. Okay. Um, one one issue as well, which you cause, which you can try and deal with, is why people are still in hotels. And there's a large amount of people, refugees from Ukraine, Ukrainian hotels. Um, people, I think, probably have perception that they're living a, they're, they're living the good life. They're not. It's really difficult conditions. Sometimes long-term stays in hotels are very problematic. And if they are in a hotel, they also also have to pay for their food. That's been in in circulation now for at least uh, I think it's at least a year. You'd have to contribute for your your food. Asylum seekers don't have the right to work up until six, they have to wait for six months and if they get a negative decision in that time they can't ever work. Okay, Uh, speaking of negative decisions, because I I mentioned that if a person had been in another European country the Dublin regulation would say they can be returned to a country. You were very forthright on on how much information you know, every bit possible you'll you'll gather from people. Um, But how many were granted asylum last year? But more importantly here, how many had their claims rejected? How many were deported? Because I'd say it's very few. So, uh, the figures that we have for well, they're still being processed for the for the back end of last year. But for the first half of last year, and certainly for 2022, approximately 30 percent of application initial applications. So that's your, the first application you 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 make would be successful. Uh, you have one right of appeal, uh, and you only one. People think there's many. You have one right of appeal before a, a, an independent tribunal member, at which the government are also represented. They will make arguments against your case and approximately 30% of those appeals are successful. If having gone through, 
you've been unsuccessful in the process, you have a final um, what's called permission to remain application where you can put forward uh, reasons why you should stay. Uh, probably uh, and then how many were deported? How many were deported? I don't have those figures. The one thing to note uh, with deportations is that they've incre- uh, decreased uh considerably over the pandemic travel for anybody you or I let alone somebody being deported another side, uh, to the other side of the world basically stopped the Department of Justice have stated that they would ramp up those deportations again uh, they have figures uh, it, Okay, it's, 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 some, it's something we can examine but I'm out of time yeah. Nick Henderson CEO of the Irish Council of Refugees many thanks for shedding, shedding light and bringing clarity to some of the issues that were concerning us thank you good morning The Neil Prenderville Show on FM conversation that matters. Back to business, Ken O'Flynn, independent councillor. Good morning, Ken. Good morning. How are you? This morning? I'm good. Confused, actually, um, about the whole <laughs> the whole Mayfield thing. Is there confirmation of what's going on in the Dominican Centre? Well, look, there's a tremendous amount of rumours going around uh, on social media and people posting videos and organising protests. Um, I'm not quite sure if these people are are local. Um, I suspect one of them that's leading the charge, it, it wouldn't be local to Mayfield. So I suppose, Mick, to tell you the truth, I've had a number of telephone calls and text messages over the last week and a half um, regarding Inishmore, the St. Dominic's um, Centre in, in Mayfield, uh, Lower Glanmire Road area. And I've had uh, lots of questions raised in the last couple of days regarding the apartments that are being built on Boverboy Road. Could I just address the apartment situation on Boverboy Road first? Uh, the 15 apartments that are being built on Boverboy Road um, across from the Mayfield Credit Union are local authority housing. They are being done through Respond, which is a housing agency, a housing body, which, you know, uh, that name would be would be well known throughout Cork. They're a very good, keen operation. The people that will be allocated those 15 apartments are come directly from the Cork City Council housing list. And they're recommended, they're going through um, guarded vetting. Uh, they go through a, a series of interviews with both Cork City Council and Respond before an allocation is made. And that comes directly from those that are on the on the live register uh, of applicants with Cork City Council. So they are coming off the Cork City Council list. There's been a lot of rumours and a lot of people saying online that these apartments are being built and they're being handed out to uh, refugees. Some people saying that they're Ukrainian. Some people saying they're the undocumented. Some people saying that they're coming in from Gaza. All these rumours that are spreading around. So look, just to confirm with you, those 15 apartments that are being built at the moment are going to people coming off the housing list from Cork City Council. Okay, because rumours can stir up sentiment and sentiment is being stirred by certain elements of society around these issues. And what is normally, you know, would be a welcoming community and right across Ireland, communities would have been normally welcoming uh, are, are being stirred or are being dragged towards a, a situation where um, fear is instilled in them and that it could be, you know, the worst of all now seems to be unvetted males. Um, you, you, you normally and naturally think the worst when rumours are there. Uh, once again, it, go, it goes to say, you know, you shouldn't believe what you, much of what you hear and see on social media, but the rumours seem to be effective sometimes. 
Absolutely. Look, and, and when it comes down to it, and it's more, uh, when I was contacted by a constituent, you know, we, we knew that this property went up for sale uh, maybe 16 months ago and there was a purchase order done for it. Um, it had to be ratified in the Vatican, from what I understand. And that purchase took um, eight, eight to ten months to be completed, to be ratified. I think p- things in the Vatican move an awful lot slower than uh, what we what, what um, normal business does because there's so many committees and to sign off on these things. Um, look, the rumours about it, and it's more, I honestly don't know whether they're true, true or not. I know other politicians have come out and said they're, they're 100% not true. I've written to IPAS. I've written to Minister O'Gormig, um, Roger O'Gormig, about this. I've asked for confirmation whether it, ha- it is being turned into a refugee centre, what type of refugee centre is going to be. Will there be um, extra services brought into the Mayfield, Tivoli, uh, Silver Springs area to facilitate both doctors, dentists and school places and facilities like that? I haven't, what I've received back from the Minister's office is a holding letter saying that they acknowledge the receipt of my letter, but they haven't replied formally. Now, I'll be honest with you, Mick, I think that's part of the big problem, is that we have this cloak and dagger reaction. Um, you know, the reality is what most people have spoken to me about. And you'll get the odd person that's upset about A, B, C and D. But what most people in the Mayfield Tivoli area have spoken to me about is saying, look, Ken, I find it difficult enough to get an appointment in the doctor's office. I find it difficult to get an appointment here the school places where our school, our classrooms are too big at the moment. What's going to happen if we're bringing in another 100 children into the area? You know, they're genuine concerns and they're infrastructure concerns and they're, they're concerns about what facilities are open to us. Uh, now, bear in mind that Clifton is already a refugee centre for, um, for Ukrainian refugees. And then we have a, an old... Uh, house next door which is a quite a large um, property which is called Hyde Park which was also uh, seconded by um, the government now I have to say the facility in Clifton I, I was in it that was uh, the communication was very good between IPAS and Cork City Council. They brought us up. We met members of the community there, the people people representing the schools. Uh, we will walk through what the facility will be like, what will be available, uh, and how this will affect people. Hyde Park, there was no communication whatsoever from the government. Um, it came as a total surprise not only to the elected members, but came as a surprise to the officials in Cork City Council. You know we're. Sometimes we're used and, and, and asked for our opinion in Cork City Council. I'm talking about the officials now. And sometimes there's no communication whatsoever from IPAS or from the government, uh, from the Minister of Gormick's uh, office. And that's the great difficulty is the lack of communication out there, which allows people with an agenda to go out and say, look, this type of person is coming into your community and it's going to be this, that and the other and, and, spread, and spread, spread rumours. Yeah, That's okay. Very you know, and uh, I, I've seen things like, uh, and they'll arrive in the cover of darkness. Why would that be needed? Uh, you know, if, if they were going to be welcome members of society, that's just whipping up sentiment. But the, reality, but the reality is, Mick, is that people have been brought in to other facilities around the country in the cover of darkness. Okay, it's the cloak and dagger. It's a cloak and dagger effect being led either by. A civil servant or a politician, you can take, take or pick who you want to blame, but it's the lack of communication with the community. It's the lack of telling people, this is how we're going to integrate. This is the facilities that we're going to make available to you. These are the extra additional supports we're going to put into the community so your lives are affected and these people that are coming in that need the support are, are not affected. Okay, so your, your, your stance right now, your knowledge right now, Ken, on the Dominican Retreat Centre at Ennismore. 
Yeah, my stance at the moment is that I'm waiting for a reply. Okay, I can't confirm. I can't confirm or deny that. I know there's other people denying it. I think there's other. There's there seems to be a lot of evidence suggesting that it, it, it's it's some sort of facility. Uh, and that's the reality of it. Okay, you know? maybe we'll get some clarity um, from Councillor Joe Cavan of Fine Gael. Hi, Joe. Hello, Joe. Hello, Mick. Hi. Joe, you're, you're, you're one of the politicians uh, in the Echo today who uh, say you've got 100% clarity and certainty on the situation. Well, where do you stand on it? Stay with us, Ken. Yeah, no problem. Um, well, it's not a case of standing. I mean, I, I just looked for clarification on it, to be honest with you. Ken has outlined most of the points there, and he's right. Um, to be honest with you, there's nothing to see here. There's nobody, there is no plans. Uh, I spoke to the management of the facility in recent days because I've been contacted by loads of people, a lot of people in the last week or so when this, uh, let's call it inverted comma, story broke. Mm-hmm. And this property, firstly, we've got to remember, it's, it's now privately owned. Um, it's owned by the Dominicans for decades. And, you know, they used to have retreats there. I've been living up this neck of the woods for for many years now and I, I remember and I know a lot of the priests in there over the years and there used to be retreats there schools used to go in there for retreats priests used to come from all over the world for retreats so there was always an element of accommodation there and there was always facilities in there to put people up if they were on retreat and travelling there Okay. now the property when the Dominicans left there last year after the building was sold um, they left and the, the place was literally they took everything with them, as you do when you leave a property and go somewhere else. And there were very few priests left there. So this is the reality of the situation. And the place was gutted. No, the new owners came in and either they were either going to leave the building derelict, which they weren't. They invested in the land. There's some fabulous land around it. The building itself is a fabulous building. So they decided to invest in the building and invest in the in the land and the property around it. Um, there were 54 houses. They sold a corner of land for Crown Rock up in the corner and they sold that patch of land to Cork City Council and 54 housing units were put in there. Um, 27 as part of the housing affordable scheme and 27 social houses. And the Dominican facility uh, and the house in particular uh, has been subject to major refurbishment over the last 10 to 12 months. Um, you might there's a lot of vans coming and going. There's, the whole place had to be rewired. Um, it had to be brought. The fire regulations had to be updated. The building regulations had to be updated uh, in order to make it safe for whatever use. And there are no concrete. This, this is the key here. There are no concrete plans to do anything specific with it. So when it's, when a rumour starts, and these these rumours and stories are all over the country, uh, when a rumour starts like that, rumours tend to gather legs and certain people use them for their own benefit to stir up um, stir up a lot of, uh, I suppose, panic in the local community. So, look, there, there, there is no... There has been zero communication with the department, IPAS, in relation to putting in, what, what story, unvetted males, which it has... And that is the rumour. Uh, males will be there uh, as part of international protection. And there definitely has been no... Um, zero communication with the department and that has been given that information was was afforded to me by I suppose the people managing the place the management team there so I can't I asked the question that people were asking me and that is the answer I got back from the people who manage the place there are no plans to put in any unvetted males in there at any stage Okay, so Um, that's that's the unvetted males taken care of 
You have a declaration on unvetted males. Um, so what what is the building going to be used for? There are no plans for it at the moment. They're just trying to get it back into use. They're trying to... There's bunk beds. Uh, bunk mean, beds going in there and huge, huge amount of work going on there, apparently. There have been, there have been bunk beds in there for the last 30 years. But more are going in. The, the basically, what was taken out has been replaced. Okay. What has been taken out has been replaced. There's been all kinds of furniture put in there, tables, chairs, uh, windows have been replaced, doors have been replaced, uh, the front porch has been replaced. Yeah, but, um, but, but why? For who? Well, they, they, when they have it up to scratch, they can, then go, they can then come back, the management team can come back and say, listen, lads, we have the building up to scratch, it now satisfies building regulations, and now we can make a decision what we do there, whether they decide to put some sort of an accommodation facility in there, nobody knows. There is no decision made, there has been no thought, and that's from speaking to the management as recently as this morning. There are no plans and no thoughts put into what's going, what the long-term plans for this facility is, but one thing for certain is, um, I've been assured that there are currently no plans to put in any unvetted males into Ennismore. That's 100% certain, and uh, that's not going to happen. Now, I'd I also like to address the point that Ken made, in fairness, now, a very good point about you know facilities in the area at breaking point and so on. We have some Ukrainians um, staying uh, in, in two facilities on Middleland, my road, uh, quite close to where I'm living. And to be quite frank and honest with you, I mean, they're in... Two, two facilities on Middleton, my road, quite close, actually next door to each other. And their kids are going to the school there. It's women and children, mainly women and children in these facilities. And to be honest with you, you wouldn't even know they're there. Mm-hmm. Um, no, obviously, when more people come into any community, it does, um, I suppose, cause a strain on services and availability of services and so on. So that's something, obviously, for the services to address. Um, but by the same token, um, it's, a, it's a national issue that we are obliged uh, to take in um, people from the Ukraine as a result of the war, etc. But in terms of going back to the Ennismore situation, um, I addressed the question that I was asked with the management. Management said to me, under no circumstances are we putting any unvetted males as per the rumours into Ennismore. And... Um, that's all I can say on the thing, really. I can't. I can't say anything other than what I've been told. Okay, that's that, that's that's fair enough. We have no clarity on whether asylum seekers or refugees are going in there. Can, can, can I ask? No, you have clarity. You have clarity. Um, that is the clarity. I couldn't be. I make. I couldn't be clearer. You, you said unvetted males. What, what what about women and children? There are no plans to put anybody in there at the no. moment. There okay. are no plans at all to put in. Uh, but basically what they're doing down there at the moment, they're refurbishing the place, getting it into... I mean, it doesn't satisfy the building regs at the moment. Okay. I mean, the doors of the place couldn't stay there at the moment. But it surely doesn't need bunk beds to satisfy the building regs. That's just uh, not refurnishing, but what's know, the building like itself. Bunk beds, no. That's people being overly um, alarmist. I mean, basically what what's been put in there is... Uh, furniture that was taken out has been replaced I mean there was when the Dominicans moved out everything went tables chairs presses beds you name it uh, uh, bedroom fittings uh, presses I I went in there and saw it myself all that was left was floors walls and ceilings Okay. So the, the new management that have gone in there have literally refurbished the place, uh, rewired the place, um, with, 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 with a mind to uh, satisfy. 
the uh, the building, the current building rates. All right, so let's let's bring Ken back in here. You, you want to jump back in, Ken? Yeah, Nick, and, and look, I'm very respectful of Joe. I think he's a fantastic counsellor. He works very, very hard in the area. I've worked with him for the last number of years. And I, I, I'd be very respectful of his opinion. And he always, he always tries to get to the... I have to say, in fairness to him, he always tries to get to the truth, you know. Uh, but look, Mick, in my experience, I'm I'm a long time around now. I'm in business um, a very long time. And I know there's not a project that I wouldn't go into without an ultimate plan for it. I wouldn't be investing significant money in a building that I purchased with no plan going forward for it. So I think I have to be honest about it. Well, there's, there's yes, uh, the councillor has, has said, oh, we're not getting uh, undocumented or unvetted mail in the area that situation can change very quickly I assume if you're if you're good at your business if as I understand the people that are that are on this building and are involved in this building and their management team are well used to operating accommodation schemes for students etc um, I'm sure there is a plan for it so, so and, kind of along the know, analogy of if you bought a pub uh, you know an older pub and you had to refurbish it you're not going to get your publican's license until you have uh, certainly have your fire cert for safety correct. so so, so may, maybe the building is being um, improved uh, to comply well, look, with regulations look, there's a big there's to, a big difference now between getting to fill a certain for, market, get, get, getting 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 your getting your certification for electricity and the whole lot, and putting in bunk beds. And if that is the case, that there's bunk beds in going in there, it does it does look like um, it will be an accommodation facility. We don't okay. know what type of accommodation facility is. It's up to the minister to get off the, the, the pot now and reply back to us. I know Joe has been in contact with the minister's office as well and I passed on Cork City Council. I can confirm to you from speaking to officials of Cork City Council, nobody has been in contact with the Cork City Council regarding the Innes Moor. Okay. Right. Can, can, I, I, can I ask both of you just a quick comment from both of you on this. Uh, I know you both work for or serve for, serve on on and for Cork City Council. Get it right, Mike. Oh, we serve the people of Cork. <laughs> serve the people of Cork. Okay. On, on no, the City Council. But isn't it only a lack of communication that allows social media to whip up sentiment in a certain direction? Could Cork County Council be more forthcoming with communication here? Well, you're right. Um, you're right in what your first statement is, but it's not Cork City Council's job. This is not a Cork City Council project. This is a Department of Integration project. This is an IPAS project. The, these are where there's no communication. And as I said to you yesterday, last week, I spoke to officials uh, from the management from the management down to grade seven, grade eight, who have their ears to the ground all the time in City Council. Nobody from IPAS, nobody from the Minister's office has been in communication with us. So we can't as a council, as a member of council uh, and as an organisation they can't release a statement stating A, B, C and D are happening without confirmation okay, of that. Okay, I understand. Okay. That's the real, and it's not, it's, I have to say, and I'm very critical of the council at times, they're not, they're not doing anything wrong on this side. It is back to the minister's office, it is back to IPAS. Okay, you're both running for if the... Uh, by city, if it was managed by City Council, it, I think we'd be have an awful lot clearer communication. All right, um, would, you, would either of you nail your colours to the mast? I assume you're, uh, you're both going to be running in the local elections. Well, absolutely. National, yeah, absolutely am, national yeah. ambitions, would you give up your councillor's seat to run nationally? Absolutely. <laughs> there you go. I'll be, I plan to run at the local elections and I plan to run at the general elections. Joe. And I'll be looking for, I'll be looking for all Joe's number twos. <laughs> <laughs> I sure know you're guaranteed those, Ken, yeah. Um, final, final word, Joe, thanks. 
Yeah, thanks, Mick. Um, yeah, first of all, it's not it's not really a Cork City Council project as such. Secondly, this 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 property is privately owned. Yeah. Um, so if, if if the private owners choose to uh, engage with IPAS or or any department uh, in relation to offering uh, the facility for accommodation, uh, I'm certain, as Ken says, that we would be contacted uh, as public reps in the area. And, um, you know, I would expect to be contacted. And if, I, if we weren't contacted, I'd be very annoyed uh, if something did happen. But the management team in the area, I'm in constant contact with them. And they have assured me as recently as this morning that there are no plans at the moment. They're currently trying to refurbish the building to bring it back to satisfactory building reg standard. That's what they're doing at the minute. And until such time as they do that, no plans can be made. But there's one thing for certain. There are no plans. And the, the Ferrari that's been, that's been stirred up by certain individuals, and it's typical of what's happening right across the country, but the type of Ferrari that's been stirred up by one or two individuals in the city in relation to um, there's 100 unvetted males going into Ennismore. Uh, I just want to put that one to bed now, as Ken did. Uh, that's not happening. Um, that is not ha- There are no plans as, as we're talking of to do such a thing and the, I've been assured that there will be no plans to do such a thing in the future. All right, gentlemen, thank you in, very much. In, in, in Ennismore. In Ennismore, OK. Th- thank thank yeah. you very much. We'll stay with the subject in a moment. Call Neil now. 0818 104 106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Good morning, 28 minutes to 11. Mick Mulcahy on the Neil Prenderville Show. Texter tells us it's minus 7 degrees in Skibbereen right now. Uh, one quick traffic update before we go to the phones. There is a fairly substantial crash on the South Link side. That would be the South Ring, wouldn't it? Heading from the tunnel to Kinsale Road roundabout. Yeah, the link goes from there into town. The South Ring Road. So if you're heading from the tunnel to the Kinsale Road roundabout, about there are many guards, many ambulances and fire brigades there and the traffic is uh, obviously down to a trickle. It's backed up now to the tunnel. So if you're coming up uh, from the cove direction and you want to head into town or whatever, you might be best going in along the quays. The crash is just before the slip road to Matten Point but it has everything apparently effectively blocked. Traffic is down to a trickle. So from the tunnel to the Kinsale Road roundabout, major delays there at the moment. Good morning Jason. Good morning, Neil. It's Mick. You, oh, Mick. You, you, Mick yeah, uh, listen. Uh, th- thanks for holding. Are, are are you one of those? In, are you are you one of those individuals that was just mentioned, who uh, is alleged to be stirring up things about uh, Ennis Moore? I am. I am. I am. I'm one of them individuals that's living right next to it, and there's a wall just outside my home that is very dangerous if these men undocumented men non-vetted get into this place but they're not if coming in that's we have 100% guarantee on that now well, then that's, that's perfect that's that's great news so if, if Joe's saying there's no plans for this uh, building well then Joe I have a plan for you my mate let's get the homeless people off our streets in Cork City and put them into this um, building that, that, that would be beyond Joe or right? the council's remit because it's privately owned well then what we will do is um, and I'm in, in contact with a, a large group that are up in Dublin and are fighting a good fight up there. Um, there will be groups set up and there will be um, GoFundMe pages set up through TikTok to help the Irish people and the people that are homeless in this city. And this money will be used 
to house these people and pay rents from. So if the landlord is listening in this morning, whoever owns this building, he will not be out of pocket. This money will be used to help our Irish people that are sleeping rough inside in the streets. Okay, I'm, I'm getting a sense that the building privately owned is being privately developed for, for a reason. There has to be a reason for every development. There's a reason for everything. Look, I'm watching this place for the last couple, number of weeks and it's very strange what's going on inside and It's like if, if, if there's no plans for this building, why can't we do this? Why can't they put the Irish people, take them off the streets and fix this situation that we have going on in our city? Okay. Am I right? It, it's, it's, it's not that there's no plans. It's just that we're not privy to them, they being privately held. Um, but the one guarantee is there will not be unvetted males going in there. Now, whether there's um, asylum seekers, refugees, women and children, uh, I don't think we have any clarity on that because we can't get it. Well, the women and children and, and, and the asylum seekers, women and children especially, they are not the problem, Mick. They are not the problem. Our concerns are these undocumented men that are coming out and hurting our women and hurting our kids. This is the problem. If this plantation starts happening around Cork City, it's going to cause a lot of strain and a lot of stress on the people around Cork. We already have strain and stress going on in healthcare, in, in the schools, in, in we have a homeless crisis, we have a cost of living crisis. So you can imagine if this happens, it's going to cause a lot of stress on people around Cork City. Okay. Uh, and have you been in touch with IPAS or with Roderick O'Gorman's department for an official response from them? I haven't. I haven't. I haven't, to be honest. I haven't. Okay. Uh, and is is there, as I saw on social media last night, is there uh, going to be a protest? Uh, albeit a, a, a planned, a protest, peaceful one. There will be. There will be a protest. And my plan is to put... Um, my plan is to put some of the, the homeless people in tents outside this property and to put it in the government's faces. Um, that this is the situation we have. And any building that's around Cork City will happen. And this is going to happen all over the country. Like I said, we're going to start getting these homeless people together and putting them in tents and putting them in the government's faces, uh, especially outside all these buildings that they're, planted, that they're plant, doing these plantations with. And uh, why can't they put these people in there before they put these, these undocumented men into these buildings? We need to start looking after our own. So, you, you're, you, so your goal is goal. to stop what you're calling plantations happening around Cork. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, stay, stay with exactly. me a moment. Be- I, I have another uh, concerned citizen on, on the other line. So stay with me, Jason. Deirdre, good morning. Good morning, Mick. Uh, you're living in Lotabeg Terrace, so that's quite close by as well, is it? Exactly. I'm living straight across the road to the apartments. Okay, and um, uh, why, why are you worried about what's going on? I'm worried about what's going in there. Okay, um, uh, you, you you used to walk the mile walk, I'm told. You can't do that anymore. No, it's a total and utter shame what they did. It's, it's, not, it's not the first time um, I, I'm thinking of even back 30, 40 years ago when when uh, a religious uh, building was sold and, and is now the thriving Rogerstown Park Hotel. Um, but it's not the first time a religious order's building has been privately bought. And have, haven't the private developers got their own rights and ability to do what they want? Yeah, but where, where they, what are they going to do with this? Is it a problem? Okay, but we can't we can't find out because th- those plans are privately held. But you're worried for people living near and behind the centre. 
my daughter is living up in Tracton Lawn. I'm worried about her and the other people living in Silver Springs Road. The big houses there, I'm worried about them as well. What they're going to get. Do you know what I mean? All right, dear. Th- th- thanks, thanks for ringing in this morning. Another resident is Tina. Hi, Tina. Hi, Ken. How are you? I'm good. You're you're a resident of which estate? Uh, Crow Darroch, the one right next to the Dominican Centre. Okay. What's your feeling on the, the current issue? Um, I think it's just the unknown. It's horrible to feel this way. Like to you know we don't know who's going to go in there. Like there's definitely something going on inside there because we have obviously video footage like of black bunk beds going in there like loads of work being done down there um, it's it's the unknown it's horrible is this are they putting in these people like that they're saying that they're, the rumour has it like that who is going in there um, I mean like I have four boys myself from 19 13 6 and 8 like and like I have to barricade my kids in if this is what's going to ha- be happening up there, if, you know? if, if if what's going to happen, there's there's no unvetted males going in there now. They may, be, as, as you said in your text, there may be vetted males. No, they're saying vetted males exactly. So reply into Joe's statement that he made that there are no unvetted men going in there. So does it mean like that they're putting vetted men in there, which they're going to be saying are they vetted men? But isn't it a very small percentage of the entire community there? I know people can offend, and I know you're worried that they may offend in some way or other. Um, but are, are, are you are, are you considering offences from a from a crime, from an antisocial, from a sexual deviancy situation? What? Everything. So we don't know these people from Adam. We don't like at least like like where where we live at the moment. Like we know everybody. Like you know, we say hi and bye to everybody. So we don't know them people. We don't know who's going to go in there. We'd like to know, like, if it's our own going in there. Even, like, we've enough people on the streets and people who's homeless. Put them in there. But if, if somebody bought the house next door to you, people. if somebody bought the house next door, you wouldn't know them from Adam either. You'd get to know them. Yeah. Like, we don't know. Like, this is a building where they're putting, where they're supposed to be. A concentration people. of, um, it, I, I think it'll accommodate about 70, will it? Oh, there's more than that. I think I'd say they're, they're saying there's 100 or 180. Okay, um, I, I'm not. I, I'm not all fay with the, with the size of the building. So, so just hang, hang on there. We'll go back to Jason. J- Jason, are you confirming no. there will there will be a peaceful protest, or is that just there up in the air at the moment? One hundred percent, there will be a peaceful process, and we will respect this place, and we will respect that property. There's people living right next to that field. We will respect that. One hundred percent, we will respect that. All right. Look. The goal there is, I suppose, is, is just to highlight this thing. And if it is on uh, vetted men, we don't want them either. We do not want them in, in, in this city. We do not want them. Yeah, you, you, you were apparently yeah. naming and shaming some of the businesses that had vans parked in there doing work. I will name and shame them. If they're doing up these, these, these properties for the likes of these men, I will name and shame them. And I'll say another thing to you, Mick, before, before you cut me off here. The GoFundMe's will be set up. And they will be set up all over the country. Right, and there's the likes of there's a vast amount of men up there, out, out there. They're high up in wealth. One man in particular up in Dublin that's doing great stuff for his 
the people up there would be Conor McGregor and half of the stuff that man is doing is not being mentioned that man is an absolute hero for his people up there and that's the God's on the truth okay. so the likes of these people uh, high up in wealth can get into these GoFundMe's and they can start donating the money will be used to help the situation that we have on our streets inside in Cork City and all over the, the cities around around Ireland and to house them, to pay rents for them. So there's no landlords going to be out of pocket. This is my point. And I will have them families up there in this field. And I hope to have 80 families up there by the end of the two weeks that we will be up there for. And why can't, if there's 80 men going to be put into this place, why can't they put 80 families, taking 80 families off our streets inside in Cork? I was inside in that city last night, and one man in particular is in a wheelchair. His name is John. He's 60 years of age. The man is shaking from head to toe. He is sitting in a wheelchair inside in Patrick Street for the last 16 weeks. I brought some food into him yesterday. I went back into him last night. I tried to get him to come with me in a van to put him into a B&B. This is so destroying to watch. It's all over TikTok. I put a video up. I asked him could I do an interview with him yesterday and that's why I went back in last night. This man needs help today. So if there's anyone listening to me this morning that's working in the health services and, 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 and in this situation that can get in contact with me I need to get into this man today. He needs to be taken off the street inside in Cork City. He needs to be cleaned. He needs to be treated. He told me last night that his bum, is, his backside is absolutely destroyed, you can imagine. He's sitting on this chair inside in Patrick Street for the last 16 weeks. Who's so helping him? Uh, by the way, J- Jason, no relax. I'm, I'm not going to cut you off. Yeah, there's no one helping him. The man told me last night, there's absolutely no one helping him. He said he's been pushed out of the hospitals and stuff like that by security guards. They will not help this man. This man needs our help. This man needs our help. He needs to be taken off the street today and he needs to be brought somewhere where he is treated. Or he's dead in a couple of days. Yeah, this I, man I... was shaking from head to toe last night. I went and I got him a hot meal last night. I brought him a flask of tea. That's He's an alcoholic. I'm, I'm sorry. I, yeah, I, 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 I think we covered that uh, on on the program. But at least you're going in directly to help. Is this the man who was discharged from hospital in a wheelchair? Nowhere to say. He was discharged from hospital in a wheelchair just before Christmas, and he is sitting inside in Patrick's since Nick. Okay, uh, T- Tina, I'm going to have to let you go to take Una on the line if that's okay. Th- thanks for your contribution thanks. this morning, uh, Una. Good morning. Stay with us, Jason. I will, of course. Hi. Um Morning. Hi, Una. Hi. Um, I just had a couple of points there to make. Uh, it's it's not about the wrongs and rights of migration. It's more to do with the the, the whole thinking on the government's uh, side, the the inflammatory language that they use around the the whole subject. You know, um, for example, Leo Vadker's uh, one is. Um, you don't get a veto about who lives beside you, you know? I mean, that sort of statement, yeah, you don't, but, like, that sort of statement is very inflammatory and it it, it closes down the whole debate then for people around the whole issues of migration. Uh, the other point is, you know, you have Michal Martin when something is brought up, like, for example, the um, statement that was made by Ashley Murphy's boyfriend at, after her um, court case, uh, you know, one of the statements made by Bihal Martin was, yes, it's very, uh, you know, sim- sincere sympathies to, to the, the situation, but um, that's a very simplistic attitude. We're all in Europe, you know. Uh, I mean, we don't need parenting by by the government. We don't need patronising. That, again, sort of thing, t- 
telling the people that their attitudes are very simplistic. Um, you know, this sort of inflammatory phrasing that's thrown out when, when things get, uh, the, the discussions are open to the people and things hot up. And the other thing is workers, you know. I mean, we have a panacea. You know, you, you'll hear another politician to say... Um, well, we need workers when migrants are coming in. Yeah, we need workers. We have a panacea of, of workers around Europe. If we want to bring in workers from outside Europe, the government needs to get off its behind. Well, would, would, would you not agree? The, the government could be more honest and, and treat us like adults and say, look, we're legally obliged to do this. We must take X number more. We're going to put them here, here and here. Um, but I, I think what's kind of happening is subterfuge. There's an agreement, perhaps, to rent a building for asylum seekers or, or refugees. The private developer moves in uh, because they're going to make a lot of money out of it. They're they're doing everything quite legally. But the community around are left wondering, are unvetted males, 60, 70, 100 of them coming into their community. No wonder people are upset. Yeah, well, I mean, you see, this is the the, the issue, of course, and it's big business now, um, migration. Uh, you know, it's the same as the people smugglers, they're making money out of it. And there's people in the country, uh, business people and the government uh, in collusion with them are making millions now out of warehousing people uh, in different parts of the world. And, you know, if you're going to use excuses and throw it out, we need workers, set up a proper immigration employment program that caters for this level of people, this you know, cohort of people and let them apply and they let them in that way. Don't bring them in under the guise that we need workers. We're not stupid, the Irish people. We know when inflammatory language is being thrown at us and then people are being bussed in around the country under cloak and dagger circumstances. Yeah. Of course, people are going to be upset. And then when people, you know, try to speak up about it, they're told, uh, well, that's a very simplistic point of view, or you're racist, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Una, I, I've, I've got to go. I must go back to Jason for a final about, word. Yeah, okay. Th- thank, thank you very much. Jason, uh, th- thank you yeah. for being so patient. Uh, and courteous no uh, in not interrupting when the other speakers were speaking there. No uh, that's that's a rare commodity on this programme. No problem. I'd just like to say something about like what that woman was just talking about there, about people being racist. Ireland is not racist, Mick. Right? Well, we've a vast amount of people that are living in this city with us and 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 in this city their kids. But like some we have Chinese, we have colours, we have we have the Ukrainians that come in. These people are genuine people. They've enlisted their kids in schools, they've interacted with our women, they've interacted with uh, our parents, the parents of these kids. Like these are not the problem. Um what would I say? Like the problem is these undocumented men. Okay, these, I, these are the men that we are worried about. But you know, you, you gotta take the the point. If if I was fleeing a war-torn country, and I did so without my passport. Um, you know, they can do all the checks they want. I'm, I'm still going to be entitled, you know, I'm still going to be labelled an unvetted man. There's a SIS-2 check, apparently, SIS-2, carried out on all people entering the state. Number one, to identify missing or wanted people. Uh, the asylum process is, in part, uh, a fairly comprehensive background check. Uh, so there's a check on each of them for second-generation Schengen information system. That's the SES2. And SIS is a centralised, secure database used by European countries for maintaining information and generating alerts 
related to border security and law enforcement. So, you know, you might be unvetted. Doesn't make, doesn't mean that you're bad. Um, well, if, if, if that is the case, Mick, why wasn't this man who stabbed them women, stabbed the women and kids outside the school up in up in Dublin checked? Why wasn't the man who still butchered that poor girl, Ashley Murphy, up in, up, up, up in the country there okay. the, yeah. two, years, two years ago um, uh, checked when he became into this country? Because if there were, it wouldn't have happened. Okay. And it's only a matter of time before it happens around Cork City. This plantation happens. The, and the guy, the guy in Dublin hasn't been charged. We're, we're, you know, we need to make that clarification immediately because we're on very dangerous ground here. Uh, the guy in Dublin hasn't been charged, OK? Let's get back to the local issue. You have to guarantee there's no unvetted males going in. Why are you protesting? Just for more clarity? Who's coming in? More clarity. More clarity. And just to, like, to make people aware of what's going to happen in this, like, if this plantation happens around Cork City. To wake people up, to be honest. We need to stop this. We do not want these undocumented, non-vetted males coming into this, into this city. And are, are you and saying, are you saying you'll invite and transport some of the homeless up to tent, uh, yes, in, on, on the green as well? Yes, I will. Do you have, yes, do you have full local support for that? Sorry? Do you have full local support for a protest? Yes, I have full local support for the protest. Okay. Yes. All right, I, I do have to leave it there, Jason. Thank you very much. No problem. Cheers, nine and minutes to 11. To Thank you. Text or WhatsApp Neil now. 0868-104-106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Now, a quick clarification uh, that I uh, need to make in, in that I wasn't enough uh, informed about the uh, when, when when somebody mentions uh, someone stabbing and you're worried as it's subdued to say. Uh, in fact, Riyad Bouchakar reported to be an Algerian national who has lived in Ireland for the past two decades and was charged. Uh, I said he wasn't. He was charged with the stabbings in Dublin on December 21st. Addressing the court, the arresting police officer, Detective Sergeant Padraig Cleary, said that Bouchiker responded to one of the charges by saying, I am a sick person. Uh, so that's the clarification that Riyad Bouchiker, uh, our last caller, uh, mentioned uh, about the stabbings, apparently, uh, and, and I said... Uh, hang on, that person wasn't charged. He was charged uh, and uh, has lived in Ireland for the past two decades. And I've generated some amount of text this morning. Uh, make regarding the housing of migrants in the Dominican Centre in Mayfield and Joe Cavanagh's response, can he clarify if anyone will ever be placed there, please? Uh, the one word that worries me in his comment was currently, currently there are no plans... That area is too close to the Cope Foundation and two special needs schools. Uh, please, please read this out. Clarity from him would go a long way uh, to allay people's fears. Thank you, says Anthony. I think he's clarified as far as he can, uh, it being a private development. Um, I gave you the traffic update. Uh, still going to be huge delays, though, on the South Ring Road heading from the tunnel to the Kinsale Road roundabout. Pretty substantial accident there. On Kevin Sharkey, Kevin is talking so much sense, Mick. I will be following him. Us Irish have to stand together and look after our own people. Look at what our forefathers fought for. And look at us now. So many of our young people are on the streets. It's disgraceful and so sad. Just imagine sleeping out last night. It was cold inside. What must it be like, Mick? That's Marie from Beautiful Clan, she says. That man is 100% correct. That's Kevin Sharkey. Sinn Féin wants exactly the same as Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael, uh, to shut people up with hate speech, legislation and wide open borders. I love Kevin Sharkey, says another texter. He's one of the only ones speaking up. So proud of him, Kevin Sharkey, for president. Uh, please give the right-wing mantra a break. It's not working. Uh, people have no time for the media's lies. Uh, Mick, for crying out loud, Breed Smith yesterday stood up in Dáil Éireann and branded as literal Nazi supporters. 
those Irish men and women who see the world differently than she does. Thank God for the Cairn Corla who reprimanded her for her scandalous comments uh, that go unchallenged every day in the Irish media. Uh, and from the Independent this morning, she, Breed Smith, that is, said uh, she'd been angered by scenes of women and children being frightened by crowds protesting in Ross Grey, but it was down to lack of services. And I quote, these have led to ordinary people being whipped up by the lies and viciousness of the far right, the Nazis who have to blame refugees and people of colour, unquote. Uh, those were Miss uh, Smith's words, uh, but she was pulled on that by the Count Corla. Uh, we are bringing people into this country offering sanctuary, knowing full well they will end up on the streets. I would be happy if the government was held accountable to the Court of Human Rights because we're pretending to deliver something which we can't. And clearly the cat is out of the bag now. The country is divided now and genuine people from other countries living here are experiencing racism. This will discourage genuine, honest people to live and work here. Some more text. Yours are welcome as well. One way of sorting all of this is to hold a referendum. It's meant to be a republic after all. I'm delighted to hear a man who is speaking a lot of sense. Kevin Sharkey, well done to him. He's speaking for a lot of us. It's time for the Irish to be recognised in their own country. Now that's what you call a politician. He'll be getting my number one. Go on, Kevin Sharkey. And one more. We cannot verify applicants who come here for a better life with no documents. Uh, Yet they are allowed into Ireland, a country with practically no deportations. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Conversation that matters. Nine minutes past eleven. Joanne's on line two. Hi, Joanne. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. Now, you you want to talk about the Dominican Centre as well, do you? Yeah, well, I just want to say there, I was just on Twitter there and um, I follow Lawyers for Justice and official figures released today by the Department of Integration or Justice 75% of IPAS that came last year had no documents. 75%. 75%. I would have thought it was closer to 7%. No, 75% came in 2023 had no documents. Okay, but you... We had a guy in the television the other night, an Egyptian, I never knew there was a war in Egypt. He stated live on air on RTE that he paid 10,000 euro to tra
when they already closed down the hotel and put people out of jobs. They just love their asylum seekers way more than they do the Irish. And it's time now these people in this country woke up and see what's going on around them. Did, did Racket, okay. R- Racket Hall was the hotel in, uh, in, in Ross Grey. Did, did that close down on an invitation to, uh, to house asylum seekers or because of lack of business or whatever? No, no, no. The government uh, came in, leased that hotel to accommodate asylum seekers, okay? They put people out of work, the only hotel in the town, they put people out of work. Imagine to just put people out of jobs. Brought that does to your economy. Then they done this big thing where they brought in a couple of women and children to make the protesters look bad and racist. Look, we're not fools. People now need to wake up. My question today is, how is Roderick O'Gorman still in a job? How is Michal Martin still in a job? Our country's going down the toilet. We can't get our children into schools. As you know, we can't get doctor's appointments. We can't get with people lying in hospital trolleys. The people know it's time to wake up now. The time is now to wake up before it's too late. And when they bring in this referendum next month where we have to remove the word woman out of the Constitution, okay, the word mother, and their free speech, it's all tyranny we're living in and people need to wake up and see if what it is. Okay, ju- just for clarity, Roderick O'Gorman tweeted in several languages. I'm not sure how that's possible unless he has a, a translation department or uses Google Translate. But anyway, he tweeted in several languages about the new white paper to end direct provision and establish a new interna- international protection support service. These are his words. Uh, our door in own, sorry, own door, your own door, not, not a house, your own door in the context of the white paper does not mean an applicant is given possession of a property. It means the property provided by the state for temporary habitation has its own door into a family unit. Okay. Okay. Okay, but so if that's the case, so why have we, and I think he's Brazilian, the NGOs like Nick Henderson you were on earlier, they're funding a guy taking the Irish people to court because he came here and he had nowhere to live. And they're funding this. So, like, people need to wake up. Okay. And, come and off Facebook, come off RTE, open your eyes, go on to Twitter, it's all there. We're being called out all over the world about our hate speech. We're living in tyranny, but people don't see it. Okay, ju- just... We have our own people just to give and they're bending over backwards buying hotels for people that never paid a cent in tax in this country. Okay, let, let, let me just uh, be, be fair, if I can, to uh, Roger Gorman, because I have some clarity now. Um, oh, I have a tweet here uh, saying that the phase will last four months. So he, here it is. Uh, this is Roger Gorman's words. Families will be provided with accommodation that offers both private sleeping and living areas, while single applicants will have private bedrooms. The reception and integration phase will last no more than four months. So yes, you will be given accommodation within four months, but certainly not your own house. But does it matter? Because why would you do this in the middle of the worst housing crisis when we cannot house people that are already here? We have, we have people, men, getting up to go to work in the morning and they're living in hotels with their children and their wives because they've no home. So why would you invite half the whole world here? These people are incompetent. We, we, we deserve better. 
it makes me angry every day when I see it. I saw that old man that Jason was on about a while ago. I saw him in town the other day, broke my heart, sitting in a wheelchair, freezing to death. Am I bringing people in then, putting them into four-star hotels, turning on the heating, brand new beds? Like we need to wake up. This country needs to stop. National strike, the unions are no good. The whole place should shut down like they do in France. Yeah, we're getting texts al- 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 along. They do. Sorry, do, do you have, do you have children yourself, Joanne? I do. What sort of future do you see for them here? Absolutely none. I just told you one of them left in November. My heart's broken, but he's happy. You know, he 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 didn't have a choice. He was going to be stuck here living with me and his dad forever. Where did he go? Trying to save for a house. Where where did he go? Fellow was all, almost homeless, almost. But thankfully, he got somewhere in the end because they took him off the council list when he got a rise in his job. After six years, the council removed him from the list. Will you blame me for being angry? No, I can't. Worrying about my grandchildren walking to school where I'm living, every nationality walking along the road. People, we 75% of them, we don't know who they are. Yeah, I've, I've, that's a fact. T- to be honest, I, I only do this programme about six weeks a year, but over the last two, two and a half years... Uh, in, even in that short period of, uh, you know, six weeks in a year. Uh, the sentiment you're talking about was bubbling under. Now it's bubbling over. And it needs to bubble over. It needs to bubble over because we have this, we have the people here that will always vote for Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil. Oh, should they give us a fiver and a pension? Well, but they don't think about what they're doing to their children and their grandchildren. I dread what this country's going to be like for my grandchildren. I absolutely dread it. Are you near the, Dom- the, the Dominican Centre, Joanne? What you, did you say, sorry? Are you, are you living near the Dominican Centre? And it's more... Well, I'm not living near it, but I'm not living that far from it either. And what, what's and your... that suggestion that Jason said a while ago, OK? And I'm not saying, no, I'm looking for brownie points. But a year ago, I said on radio that every one of the homeless Irish should be up. Uh, it was actually in reference to the Madara Homes in Mahan. I said, get the Irish homeless out there into tents... And bring the media and let them see the Irish being dragged out there, putting the Ukrainians in. I said that about a year ago. It's it's not going to be very optically. It's not going to be very good for the government if uh, not, if, if homeless it's, people on mass in tents are camped outside facilities that are being prepared for other people. Whether they you know they obviously legally deserve them or whatever they're entitled to them. And we're not going down that road, but it's not optically going to look very good for the government to have their own homeless in tents outside recently refurbished buildings. Joanne, thanks very much. Thank you. No problem. Cheers. Bye bye. bye. Paul Casey's on line three. Hiya, Paul. Hi, over things. Okay. Hard to stay positive sometimes, but we keep the chin up. (laughs) Yeah, so look, um, I can understand with I don't know what everyone is saying about what's going on, but you still have your own, what would you say, homeless. Now, I was trying to have outreach were brilliant. The Gardaí were fantastic. And the ambulance service were brilliant. Now, I'm not going to give a name, but they won't take him to a hospital because he was, I don't know, what would you say, aggressive? But I tried to feed him, I got shoes for him, I got clothes for him, but I, I, 
to know something. It's it's. I had three guards that came, two guards and one. Um, what would you say? Appropriationary bangarda, and they were so compassionate. It was unreal. It was brilliant. Okay, what to to what facility could that person go, or, or where? No, he can't go anywhere. There's no one will take him. Outreach will. Outreach gave me the clothes, so he got to know the Simon. He got to know the hospitals. He will not take help. So, um, I don't know what did I try to do yesterday. There was a lady came up to me yesterday, put her arm around me because I had to get him up out of the wheelchair. He wanted to urinate, but he was in a bush shelter. I said, you cannot do this. So I drove back down last night, what, about 12 o'clock? And he's back inside where the emergency exit by Marks and Spencer's. So I, I look, I done four days. I cannot help him. The guards told me they know him, and I'm not going to give a name. The Amlin service know him. They're not going to give a name. Well, I know the name and what have you, but... Yeah, please, please I mean, no, 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 no need to give it. I'm more interested in, in the story itself. I was going to ask you about hygiene and sanitation. If the man is in a wheelchair and he's stuck outside, how, how does he manage? Yeah, so what i done is um, when the guards came, they gave me gloves. So when I went to outreach, they turned around and they said, we know him. And they gave me a new coat for him, a new pair of shoes, a new everything. And I kind of dressed him, if that makes any sense. So when I passed earlier yesterday, the bus shelter was completely clean. As in, that's where... He made all his mess, we'd say, and what have you. Okay. So I came back around again last night about 12, and I spotted him back inside the, I don't know what was called, the emergency exit, coming out of um, a supermarket. Now, the man will not be helped. I, we, I, 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 I actually had two ambulances there yesterday. I had the guardie there, and they treated him there for his diabetes, and he was, I don't know, he can't stand up. He trots on his legs, as I said the other day. You did, uh, yeah, no, I was talking to you on Monday about it, yeah. Um, is, is he responsive, yeah. uh, Paul? Does he does he respond to you? Does he appreciate your, you're trying to help? Does he recognise no, no, that? No, 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 he actually... Um, Believe it or not, he asked me to go to the shop yesterday and then attacked me when I asked him to go to the hospital. And it was a case of, excuse my language, I'm not effing going up there. They threw me out after nine minutes. They do this, that, whatever. But um, there's another two people that I try to feed as well. One is gone, so I don't know where they are. So, um, I don't know. What do you do? I mean... You're doing a lot, I, Paul. You're, you're, do, you're doing more than most. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But the, the guards told me, stay away, ma'am. He's too aggressive. 
So I really, really can't do any more. But how how is the man surviving these nights? He's he's actually not because I drove there a while ago and I can see, no, I didn't pull up, but I can see that the blankets are all wet again as he, what would you say, urinated? Because he can't get up out of the wheelchair himself. I got him a pair of shoes. And to be fair, Outreach turned around and says, we'll go checking him. And I had three guards with me, and they get a bad enough name. But the three guards that were with me the other day were so compassionate, they knew him. And they says, no, you're not going to get him to move. I says, so what do I do? Just leave him there. So I spotted him again this morning. He's just shaking his head with a hat, um, sitting up in a wheelchair with a duvet over him. Is that what we're after, I don't know, coming to? That, that was the conclusion of our of our chat on, on Monday, if you remember, yeah? What, what sort of country yeah, are, yeah, we, yeah, are million, we? Yeah, million, yeah, million percent. Is that what we're after coming to? If I could section someone, I would actually section this man straight away. He needs um, diabetic medication. He needs, he needs, he's aggression. He needs help. So the guards, and to be fair to them, I called Angus Street yesterday and I passed in a card just uh, for their compassion. And I turn around, I says, and this is Paul, we can't do anything for him. But who can? Who, who is ultimately responsible here? What, what, what department no, no can... One, no one can. Um, Simon said they can't. Um, outreach cannot help him. Uh, there's no one can help. None. None whatsoever. I mean, like, the guards get, I don't know, what would you say? They get a horrible, horrible, what would you say? They get a bad rap, pardon the pun. Yeah, yeah, well, pardon the pun, but the three guards, I I probably look like their father. They were absolutely fantastic. They knew him by name and everything. Paul, I, I, I've got to go. One final question. As it, why, why do you do what you do? Um, to be honest, because what? I've coins in the care. I can do it. But I was told no to stay away from him. As in the aggression, he'll take the money off me, he'll take the food off me. There's other people that do it, but again, if you look at the taxi ranks, everything going on. When I drove down Patrick Street last night at half, 11, 12 o'clock, the amount of people that were coming out of pubs and walking past these people, can someone just... Do something, get a cup of coffee, get a, a sausage roll, that's it. I'm not a Robin Hood. I don't do 
nothing special. To be honest, when we discussed it on Monday, I thought the situation would be sorted by somebody. I'm kind of shocked that we're still talking no, about it on Thursday. No, 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 no. They will, no, they will not take him. Um, I've spoke to the two ambulance services that came yeah. yesterday, and to be fair, there was a lady came to her arm around me and said, you can't win for him. Well, all, all we can do is highlight the situation again and, and hope, fervently hope, that somebody's listening who may be able to take charge of the situation, you know, both morally and legally able to section him into care or something. Um, but Paul... Million we, we, percent. And what, I, yeah, and what I done yesterday, you know, before you go, what I done yesterday is when he asked me to stand up so he could urinate, there was people in the bus shelter and... I turn around and I says, okay, this is a public order offence. If that makes any sense. But what what else can he do if he has to go? You can't move him. No, no, and he's actually doing it in his chair. No, I I drove past well ago, his blankets are filthy again. Oh. Paul, so I, I, I don't know. I t- I, I, I can't do any more, to be honest. You, you've done all you can. Paul, can we stay in touch with you? You'll probably drive past a few times again at least, will you? I will, a million percent. Yeah. I'll drive past, but again, if I phone the, the ambulances, when they, I know his name, and when they hear his name... They they're won't, not yeah, come. okay. It's a, Paul, we'll, it's we'll, as simple as that. we'll stay in touch. No, feel feel free to contact he, us. Uh, he's caught, yeah, he's complaining with shoulder pains, stomach pains, and clots in his legs. And he's in a wheelchair. And he's I in mean, minus six tonight. Tonight's going to be the big one. Paul, i I got to go. Thanks very much. We'll stay in touch with you as well, all right? Thanks. Good morning. Call Neil now. 0818-104-106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Good morning, it's Mick Mulcahy on the Neil Prendival Show. Now, a change of topic, but one that may be of particular interest to lone parents or their families. Landmark reforms of the child maintenance system are being brought before the Doyle today in uh, an exercise that will cost around €10 million per year, but may be of particular benefit to the over 16,000 lone parents that are out there. I'm joined in line one by Stephen Moffat, who's the National Policy Manager for Bernardo's. Good morning, Stephen. Good morning. Thanks so much for having me on. Great, great to have you. Tell, tell us about these landmark reforms going before the door today. So the, the big thing that these reforms are going to bring in, it's going to mean that uh, a lot of parents out there, lone parents, uh, you know, who are at greatest risk, risk of poverty and deprivation across the country, um, they will uh, be have a greater entitlement to social welfare payments um, in, in the future going forward once these reforms come in. Uh, at the moment, uh, a lot of those uh, families, um, their eligibility might be, they might just be about beyond the cusp um, because um, they're having to take maintenance payments into consideration for means, uh, which means they might not quite make certain social welfare payments. And those are payments that they're desperately in need of. So the reforms uh, that are you know being discussed today uh, are really, really vital to a lot of families across the country. Okay, the upshot of these reforms really is that if you're on reduced pay rates, you'll see your payment increase and others will now qualify into the payment for the first time. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, it's, it's taken into consideration the fact that for uh, people who are getting maintenance, usually it means that there's two households now 
uh, that are, have to be maintained because somebody's moved out of the home. Um, so we need to appreciate that. So uh, parents who, you know, I would have challenged parents over the last number of months, a lot of parents we support uh, are reliant on maintenance payments or they could certainly benefit and would lift them out of uh, deprivation. Um, they're, they're just missing out on uh, things like one parent uh, family payments uh, are... <coughs> Uh, for example, because, you know, they might be getting, or there might be an order for maintenance against the next partner of a couple of hundred euro a month, and that might tip them over the threshold. Yeah, I, 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 was going to, I was going to ask you, can we differentiate, or could you maybe explain the difference? When you say maintenance payments, are you talking about government support or uh, ex-partner support? Ex-partner support. So okay. the, the ex-partner is the order that they might have received uh, either... Uh, might have be, be, been a court order uh, that they have to pay to their the, the partner who has full custody of the children or, or, or the most custody of the child uh, or else, you know, at times it does come about where there's, there's a mutual agreement so there's no court involved whatsoever um, so it's, it's that payment that I'd be uh, chatting about Okay, so it's been an issue for quite some time um, uh, and something I imagine many people across the country will welcome now because they kind of have to con- constantly juggle. If they're in receipt, of, if they have an agreed maintenance payment from um, the other parent whom they split up for, from or whatever, um, are, are they bound by law, uh, the parent to give it and the other parent to receive it? Because if, if that payment puts the loan parent uh, kind of on, on the edge of thresholds, then, and if it doesn't come through, they're going to really, really be short for that week or month, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely, and that's that's one of the things. It is that constant juggling. You know, if that uh, you know, as the status quo is at the moment, if they're suddenly getting the maintenance, uh, it puts them over a threshold. They could actually be worse off. Also, you know, that exact point that you've raised. Uh, and some of the other reforms that were announced over the last couple of weeks, hopefully, will address. Is that if you've got a maintenance payment and there's a court order and the Department of Social Welfare is taking that into consideration, you know, that ex-partner, as from our experience, often isn't paying that on a regular basis. They may be paying it every second week, every third week, uh, you know, and oftentimes partners and those ex-partners might be using that uh, payment as a way of exerting continued uh, control. Um, so, you know, even though they might not be getting that payment uh, week in, week out, it's counting against them in terms of what they're... For social like, welfare, for yeah. social welfare. So how, how will things change, do you, do you envisage? So hopefully, you know, the combination of both the reforms that were mentioned a couple of weeks ago, which means that there will be more regular maintenance payments to families that'll really help, uh, you know, uh, one-parent families uh, and the children within them. And these reforms uh, that are going through and being discussed in the doll today will really help because it means more parents will be entitled uh, to social welfare payments, the thresholds. Although they'll maintain be the same, they'll no longer be uh, uh, taking maintenance payments uh, into account when they're uh, looking at means tests. Okay. So it's, it's, it's a positive move anyway, and one that many people will benefit from. Uh, and it's going before the doll today. When, when will the action actually take place? When will it benefit people? So that, that depends how quickly they can get it through the doll, uh, you know, get get everything uh, agreed to, um, all the different stages of the doll, and then hopefully it's something that will be pushed through very, very quickly. You know, we are hearing from the Department of Social Protection that they're already starting to take action on this, even though it isn't within legislation, and we're great, we're really grateful to the department, um, you know, but this is really important to put in legislation so that no... Uh, 
no family would uh, have their you know social welfare payments reduced uh, as a result of receiving maintenance. Um, so in terms of it's, we are starting to see it on the ground already, even though the the bill hasn't been passed yet. Uh, but in terms of the bill coming into full force, you know that could be a couple of months away. Okay, let me take this opportunity to ask you about Bernardo's. What do you guys do for our listeners, and are you at capacity? Are, are you you know are, are you are your doors full as as they say? So, you know, we have a huge range of services. Really what we're trying to be is we're trying to be in all the communities that we operate in, you know, which is about 40 or 50 different areas across the country. Um, you know, we're trying to be there to support uh, families and parents who are struggling uh, around different, uh, different issues, around that has an impact on their parenting, that has an impact then on their children. You know, that might be parents who are struggling with mental health issues, who are struggling with children's routines. Um, you know, it might be a case that parents are, are struggling with substance issues. Um, or there could be, you know, we've got specific services for parents uh, where, you know, where their children might be struggling with um, issues around bereavement. Um, you know, so it's a whole range of issues trying to help family well-being. Um, so we're there to support families when and where they want it. Um, you know, so if parents are, are looking for support, we always encourage them to come to us, knock on our doors, to give us a call. Um, but unfortunately, yeah, a lot of our services, uh, you know, there is a uh, high demand for them. Uh, and that's before us even, you know, going out and, you know, marketing our services massively in areas. Because unfortunately, we can only um, work with as many families as our funding allows. Okay, and how, uh, how know, are you funded? Go. How, how are you funded? So we're funded sort of two ways, um, you know, two dominant ways. One is, uh, you know, through our services, uh, through um, government departments, uh, you know, a large part of our funding will come from Tusla, uh, which, you know, we're grateful for, uh, but also, you know, the kindness and generosity uh, of uh, the general public, uh, you know, who will provide um, voluntary funds for the organisation. And the more that that we get in, the more families uh, who are in need of support um, can get it. Um, you know, families who might be struggling with uh, different levels of disadvantage and, and poverty. Okay. Uh, if, if I was to ask you to give out your contact details, what section of society or what particular needs would you hope to address in giving out those contact details? Well, really, you know, we, we don't see ourselves as an organisation that are just working with one group. It's families who are struggling with adversities uh, who are experiencing disadvantage. As I mentioned earlier, that could be disadvantage because uh, you know, parents are struggling with mental health issues, struggling with substance issues, but it could also just be families who are generally struggling with with children, with routines. Um, you know, who who really feel that their children are being impacted very negatively uh, in terms of their development. Um, so it is a wide range of families. Um, you know, but we want to be there for as many families as possible. Uh, you know, even if it's there for a short period of time, just to help with some practical supports help families then build routines, uh, be able to, you know, cope with the, the different issues that that can come up uh, when you're parenting children. Okay, and your contact details? So the best place to go really is our is our website. So just bernardos.ie uh, is, the, is really the uh, best place to go. Uh, in terms of our phone number, it's uh, 01453-0355. But as I said, Bernardo Study is the best place, starting place, uh, if people are looking to get support. Okay, and that's 01453-0355, yeah? Or bernardos.ie. All right. Stephen Moffat, National Policy Manager with Bernardo's, thank you very much for joining us this morning.
Right then, let's go to uh, some of the texts, and we've got many, many texts on the refugees in the uh, Dominican Centre. Uh, in Ennismore. Good morning, Mick. The government has created this uh, disharmony among communities by failing to liaise with communities and by moving people in overnight. There's no trust and people feel like they're being sidelined to benefit migrants, says Mike. There's a sales pitch if I ever heard one. It sounds like that building is going to be a fast food joint. The ESB building in Dublin Airport doesn't meet the building regulations, but it's full of IPAS. Uh, IPAS, by the way, is International Protection Accommodation Services. Uh, service. Uh, it's full of IPAS workers. Uh, Mick Fairplay, you're putting them on the spot and getting answers. When um, priests came on retreat, they were unvetted and bloody dangerous, says a texture. Tell those councillors and TDs, it's okay that the unvetted men are not going into Mayfield, but if they do, they'll be sent to their doors. Uh, simple really, don't really understand that but I call that out anyway. Uh, Do these people not understand that the women and children narrative is as dangerous as the unvetted males? This is all part of the destruction of the traditional family unit. The leftist globalist agenda is going too far. It's destroying the future of decent working Irish families at the expense of fake UGs. That's the first on me. Fake UGs. Has anyone identified what airline all these people with no details flew in on? They are complicit in all of this, says Kevin in Holly Hill. Uh, why are you giving um, Jason airtime with his nonsensical ideology? He's ridiculous with his uh, conspiracy theories, says another texter. Everything about this government is sneaky and cloak and dagger and treating the Irish as fools. Your earlier spokesman for asylum, like all of the government people, never has figures on deportation. Taking fingerprints of unknown people doesn't make things any safer. Uh, would that man, Jason from Mayfield, think about going up for the council election in June? He'd walk in. I'm ashamed to be from Cork and Irish listening to racist people this morning, says another texter. Uh, all the migrants sent to the doors of the sellouts should be... Oh, that's what the last text meant, sent to the doors of the politicians. All the migrants sent to the doors of the sellouts should be accompanied by the people stating that refugees are welcome here. Turn the tables on them and see how they like unvetted men around their wives' and daughters' neighbourhood. Uh, and over one quarter in prison apparently are non-national people, according to workers in Cork Prison. Uh, we have enough of our own in prisons besides adding new people. That's not actually true, because according to the prison service, uh, the 2022 20, figure was 21.6%, so over one-fifth, but not over one quarter. It's a quarter to 12 now. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Conversation that matters. 12 minutes to midday, there has been an accident between two lorries outside Coachford GAA and the road is currently blocked so people should avoid that area if they can. An accident between two lorries outside Coachford GAA. Now, long-term contributor and friend of the programme, Paddy O'Brien, who is an advocate for the elderly, joins me on line one. Good morning, Paddy. Good morning, Nick. Okay, now many elderly, especially those uh, living on their own, uh, are at risk of being short of food. At this time, of course, the cold snap is putting them uh, under severe pressure as well. How are you finding it out there? Well, this is the situation that the bulk of the greatest high percentage of elderly people uh, in Cork City are living alone. Between Cork and Kerry, there are 189,000 people living alone. So they are the people we must care for at this point in time. I'd be concerned for the fact that the weather has been bad since last weekend, and it's quite possible that many people at this stage will be running out of food. 
And to the to the elderly themselves, a direct message to the elderly would say to them that if you have central heating, cut out your timer completely to get to get the expense to get the expense, turn on your heat because heat, the medical profession has stated over and over that heat is more important than food. So to the elderly people listening to the programme this morning, I said, have plenty of heat. Keep yourself warm. Have plenty of drinks. Don't sit down in the same spot all day long. Get up, walk around the house, walk up, up, up down the stairs to generate heat in your body. Wear warm clothes. For, for the next couple of days, forget the grandeur. Wear warm clothes, wear a heavy jacket. Don't be embarrassed to wear a headgear, a scarf, a cap, a cap or, or a berry. Very important. And what is much more important in relation to heat during the day is at night time. The temperatures drop at night, and I'm saying to the elderly, extra bedding, clothing. And don't be embarrassed to throw an overcoat over yourself at night. Don't be embarrassed to wear a hat or some form of headgear. In the house, in the house, you mean? Uh, yes, exactly. What I would say to the elderly: one thing, don't do, don't involve yourself in any alcohol whatsoever, because eighty percent of our elderly population are on some form of medication. And at this point in time, people might say, "Oh, you have a hot toddy. You're only doing harm to yourself because it makes people disoriented and people get a bit, bit confused." So that's it. The next thing would be to neighbours. Neighbours have a very important role to play on the door now. Knock on the door and ask the person, are you okay for food? And make sure they're adequate, adequate or cold or sticks or blocks in, in, in the home. We, we don't have any tragedies. And for many, many years I've been saying, a knock on the door can save a life. So apply that to yourself at this point in time. In every area, there are elderly people living alone. There are elderly people that are struggling. There are elderly people living who don't have a phone. If you come in, they can't contact anyone. So I think people, when you know there's um, an elderly person, make that you make the contact. Because I notice in Ireland, when there's a tragedy, in other words, when people are found dead after days, the, com- the, the comment that I'm hearing year after year, they were very nice people, very quiet, they kept it themselves. That's making excuses for the product for themselves. Knock on the door and try, try and help an elderly person go to the shop for me. They, they could run out of essentials like milk and butter. They might not have enough food. Another thing is that at this point in time, the roads are very dangerous to drive on and a lot of the wheels, wheels and wheels people would be able to travel. And I'd ask people to remember that as well. If you were aware of a person, a neighbour, who's in receipt of um, meals and wheels, look in any of the big stores in town. Um, I'm not going to mention who people might employ that they're pre-cooked dinners for five euro. Just oblige the person, the person will pay you back then. They can warm it in the heat and, and, and they can warm it in um, a microwave. But... Um, it's essential that we have contact, contact with elderly people. Knock on the door, make yourself known to the person. Otherwise, the person could be hungry. If one, what, the, I met a lady during the week. I spoke to her, 86 years of age. She keeps her cold in the back, <clears throat> in the backyard. But her backyard is frozen. And, very and dangerous to get to, that. yeah. Yeah, that may, that, may, that may be an isolated case. It may not be robber, because there are many other people that do to keep the cold. So just, we are trying to ensure that people would have, have uh, adequate eating, adequate food, 
and the, the things I got out about what to do, the gear, keeping warm around the house is so important because it means the people, they're sitting near a fire for hours and hours instead of getting up, walk around, walk up and down the stairs, wear heavy gear that you would normally wear around the house. And as I've already said, and I'm repeating myself, don't be embarrassed to wear some head gear. Exactly. And, and uh, hot drinks yeah. during the day are very important as well. But very, uh, very, very important, Nick, but avoid alcohol. Avoid alcohol completely and totally because people get a little bit confused taking medication. They might, might just overdo it because it's not going to do any good. It's going to only harm you. Do the simple things. Drink plenty of hot cocoa, drink coffee, drink tea. Do all, all day long, keep, just keep yourself warm. Another thing, don't be ashamed inside your own home to wear a pair of gloves and walk around the house because the elderly, the hands, and the, the heat goes through the body. That's why I'm asking people to keep them, um, keep keep the, the head gear covered, and it retains the heat in the body. And all all good advice. Of course, no elderly people should have to do any of that. They should all be warm. They should all be well fed. Yeah, well, but regrettably, at this point in time, is that makes many people, those who are mobile, are afraid to come out. And elderly people don't do big shops, big shopping, big shops. They just go out and they buy for the day. They get as they so need, and so, and so they may be running short now. So if there's anyone in your park or in your estate that you know is living on their own, maybe a knock on the door uh, wouldn't go amiss. Now, I know a lot of elderly people will not even answer their door. There, there are so many doorstep scams these days and so many on phones. But hope, hope... They, are, they are nervous, right, and there's a, a solution to that as well because I have the same experience myself. Just stick a note in the letterbox. My name is Johnny Murphy. I'm living at number five, three doors or four doors from you. This is my phone number. Give you a call. I want to help you. Like that. Make, make that contact. Do, ev- do everything to make contact with a person rather than hearing of a tragedy afterwards and people saying, I meant to do this, I meant to do this, I meant to call, oh, I meant, but I didn't. No, don't be embarrassed to knock on the door. The person could be a total stranger to you and say, introduce yourself, say your name, I'm Johnny Murphy, I live in such a place, I can help you, are you okay for food? What Can I, do I, can I go to the chemist for you? And just make sure that there's enough of heating that they can bring coal in from the yard near the fireplace and just go through maybe look at the fridge for them and elderly people would appreciate that. Okay, I'm a bit nervous at the start, of course, but I think they said at least if, if, if there's ever a tragedy, a person then who would have made some uh, contact, an elderly person wouldn't feel guilty and feel sorry that they didn't do it. Yeah. All right, That's, uh, it's very good points and very well put, Paddy. Uh, of course, it's that time of the year when those who do short shopping are going to be running out. Uh, who, yeah. You know, th- those who may be running out of fuel. And, and many, many of our elderly don't drive, so they're, you know, they're depending on taxis or the bus services and won't even leave because of the icy conditions that we're going yeah. through right now. So, so excellent stuff. Paddy, thank, thank you very much uh, for all you do yeah. and continue to do. Thanks, mate. Thanks a million. All the best. That's uh, Paddy O'Brien, advocate for the elderly. Our phone lines will remain open on 0818 104 106. That's 0818 
104106. If you want to SMS us, text us, uh, you can do so on uh, WhatsApp or on the SMS service on 086 8104 106. My thanks to the Neil Prendival production team, Kevin Galvin, Seamus Whelan, and Claire O'Connor for a very busy programme. Always a pleasure uh, to present uh, when you've got three professionals behind you like I uh, inordinately do. Uh, Otherwise, there'll be nothing happening on the air without them. So thank you very much. Cork, there is no better place. It's time to talk. The only way to get anything done in Cork is going to the Neil Prenderville. There you go. Fair play. Talk to Neil Prenderville. That's that's a Cork threat at this stage, I think. (laughs) The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. I just love Cork people. Conversation that matters.